It's time for midday. It's 1130 here at KRVN. A beautiful start to our day. Not as windy as what it's going to get to. We'll hear more about that coming up in our regional ag weather update in about 15 minutes with Paul Perkins. We'll also uh, talk sports with Jason Jorgensen. Husker baseball had a terrific weekend, a four-game sweep over Minnesota. We'll hear more about that coming up in just a minute. Bob Brogan will tell us how stocks are performing here on this Monday. That ship, by the way, has uh, got unstuck from the the canal. So maybe one of uh, Bob's ways uh, did potentially work. Half, half. I said uh, grease and horsepower. They used horsepower. Well, maybe they listened to it. Maybe they were tuning in, and that's what I doubt the winning formula listen. was. I doubt they listened to me. <laughs> but before we get to, uh, to Bob here in just a moment, let's hear from our own Susan Littlefield about what's coming up on Midday. Well, thanks so much, Tyler. Here's what's happening on a Monday from the farm team. Alex is going to kick everything off with Beef for the Classroom program. She'll bring us more details at 1219. Then at 12.45, I will speak to a Butler County farmer who's using the Trutera program through Lando Lakes and kind of found out he was doing things right when it comes to his farming operation. Then I'll wrap up everything at 1.17 with my conversation with Emily Score. She is CEO of Growth Energy. She spoke this past Friday at the Nebraska Ethanol Board's Virtual Emerging Issues Forum. That's what's happening on this windy Monday from the farm team. All right. Thank you very much, Susan. Appreciate it. Let's uh, turn things over to Jason Jorgensen in sports and Husker baseball. Husker volleyball had a great weekend. Yeah, Husker uh, baseball they took all four games from Minnesota. They suddenly now won six games in a row, mm-hmm. looking pretty good. Uh, yesterday, the star of the show was Grand Island's own Shay Shaneman. He pitched into the eighth inning. We'll get his thoughts on what led to a big bounce-back start. He'd actually struggled a couple of other times out, so... He might have been feeling the heat a little bit to uh, pitch better to stay in the rotation, and he certainly did that yesterday. Tell you what, the bats for the baseball team, they're very dangerous. Uh, the One of the things you have to like with this year's team is, I mean, they can hit. and right. They can hit home runs. They don't have to worry about playing small ball. Now, we were talking about this in the newsroom. I would temper things a little bit. Minnesota is not mm-hmm. an elite team in the Big Ten, and Nebraska has not played a lot of the elite teams to this point. They'll get an opportunity uh, against Illinois mm-hmm. this upcoming weekend, which they're about a half a game back. Is that mm-hmm. what I see? Okay. Also, uh, Illinois has made news. They're not allowing any visiting fans and even players, parents, or press. Mm-hmm. No one can get in, which seems a little odd considering they had thousands of people there this weekend uh, in Lincoln. But Big Ten still a little Every school is a little different. And they're allowing every school to make their own rules, right? It's not a, it's not a yes. consistent thing. And I think they can have home fans in, but no road fans. Mm-hmm. So, way it goes. Also, uh, plenty of basketball tonight with Elite Eight action. Both the men's tournament and the women's tournament. We'll start to get a better feel for the Final Four after tonight. Creighton tried. They came up a little short. You played a, a team that could win it all. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they were outmatched from the beginning. That's a terrific team. All right, thank you very much. Uh, Bob Brogan, how are stocks doing? Stocks slipping just a little bit today. Also, Amazon workers in Alabama deciding whether they want to form a union. Gas prices up just a tad. And, of course, uh, as you mentioned at the top of things, they have apparently freed up that big old ship, that container ship, So, and they used... The oldest trick in the book, they used horsepower. Tugboats, right? Is that what I saw? Right. Okay. Uh, yeah, a lot of them. 
A lot of tugboats. All right, very good. Let's turn things over to Clay Pat. For KRVN's 70th anniversary, we thought we'd revive an old 880 radio promotion, Ham Telephone Time, just in time for Easter. With the hams from the Nebraska Pork Producers Association, listen for your chance to win March 29th through April 2nd, right here on 880 AM. We all know that Easter dinner would not be the same without the mouth-watering ham. KRVN's retro radio ham telephone time will give you a chance to win a free ham from the Nebraska Pork Producers Association. At Nebraska Land Tire Centers in Lexington, Holdridge, McCook, and North Platte, and Nebraska Land Truck Center, I-80, Lexington. Cozad Auto Supply, Cozad, and Plum Creek Marketplace, Lexington. Tampa Regional Ag Weather Update here on this Monday. Paul Perkins joining us here in the studio, and goodness, it's a beautiful day to start this week already. Yeah, yesterday had a nice day, and those temperatures getting up to around 70 degrees, and it looks like Easter Sunday going to be nice, too. And you usually don't see nice Palm Sunday and nice Easter Sunday, so we're going to get a rare treat this year, I think. Now, we're also going to see uh, winds pick up drastically if they're not already in your area. Exactly. A very uh, strong cold front moving into the region already across much of the western Dakotas into mm-hmm. northeast Wyoming. Numerous reports of wind gusts right now up to 50 to 60 miles per hour, including a 69-mile-an-hour wind gust right now. Uh, near Achetta, Wyoming. I'm not sure the name of that town there, but that's just to the northwest of Gillette, Wyoming. A wind gust up to near 70 miles per hour, but temperatures warming nicely across the area. We're already as warm as 75 right now at Thetford. Now, it's also going to prompt a, a red flag warning for much of our listening area, too. Yeah, due to the drying and, of course, the dry air and the warm air moving into the region, we're going to see those southwest winds get up to some breezy levels, and that will elevate the fire weather danger. A, a red flag warning in effect for all of Nebraska and all of Kansas through this afternoon and into the late evening all the way till 1 o'clock in the morning due to the high fire danger and the strong winds that are expected to move in with this cold front moving through the region. So be mindful of that. Enjoy the weather while you can, but again, probably no open burning at this point. Yeah, very advisable to not do that right now. Temperatures right now across the region in the upper 50s to the low 60s, but seeing some temperatures already into the upper 60s to low 70s in northeast Colorado and portions of western Kansas. And once again, that warm spot currently in Thedford at 75. Temperatures more so in the 60s as you head towards the Nebraska Panhandle just ahead of that cold front starting to move in. Ahead of the strong cold front moving in today, it will be our warmest day of the year so far with sunny skies and afternoon highs, 25 degrees warmer than normal, dry, warm, and breezy to windy conditions, elevating the fire weather danger to critical levels today, and that is region-wide. With the passing of that cold front, strong winds with gusts up to 60 expected in western areas this afternoon and by this evening across the central. Due to limited moisture, only a few light showers, sprinkles, or flurries are possible. We do have that high wind warning in effect for the Nebraska Panhandle for noon today until midnight tonight. West central areas, that um, high wind warning starting to kick in earlier this afternoon, lasting through the evening. Then the high wind watch in effect for south central and southwest Nebraska and northwest and north central Kansas to the southwest of the Tri-Cities. That will kick in for this evening. 
Temperatures for tomorrow on Wednesday behind this front, slightly cooler than average as some cool high pressure builds in from the north. Above normal temperatures, though, are back as soon as Thursday on into the Easter weekend with a ridge of high pressure building up from the desert southwest. Our daytime highs on Thursday, 5 to 10 degrees warmer than usual, then warming to at least 20 degrees above average by Easter Sunday. Once again, we could be looking at highs up near 80 on Easter Sunday, just like we are today. The warmer temperatures will last through the long-term forecast. Warmer than normal temperatures likely for Nebraska and Kansas and the central U.S. this weekend through April 11th, especially for this weekend and early next week. It will be drier than normal for rainfall in Nebraska and Kansas this weekend and early next week. New normal precipitation is predicted by the middle of next week through April 11th. Key weather factors impacting the markets include continued dry weather for Brazil and a favorable period of weather for row crop field work in the Midwest, a storm crossing the Canadian prairies, dragging a cold front to the south across the plains and Midwest. Around the midweek, low pressure will develop near that front, helping to enhance rainfall across the eastern U.S. A short-lived surge of cold air will trail the storm, possibly resulting in freezes by Friday morning as far south as Alabama and Georgia. And overnight for tomorrow night in our region, we are looking at overnight lows in the 20s. Possibly record-setting warmth will develop by the end of the week across the northern plains and parts of the western Midwest or western U.S., in the Midwest, the drier weather this week favoring field drying and field work progress after last week's widespread rainfall for wheat areas of the Southern Plains. The recent precipitation has eliminated or eased drought for most areas. Strong warm winds, though, this week will cause rapid drying of the soils. The winter wheat breaking dormancy to mostly favorable conditions. South Brazil had moderate to heavy showers this past weekend while it remained mostly dry in the central and north. The weekend rain will help immature corn and soybeans in South Brazil, but second crop corn in the central and north will see some unwelcome dryness, causing concern getting closer to the start of their dry season. So the next couple of days going to be a little lousy, uh, but after that we're going to see some beautiful temperatures. Yeah, just a minor bump in the road here uh, for the midweek here, Tuesday and Wednesday. Those temperatures just slightly below average, but as we get closer to that Easter weekend, looking really good. And the winds, they'll die down really after uh, late tonight, right? Yeah, Brian tomorrow morning we should see uh, some slackening in those winds still going to be a bit on the breezy side for tomorrow but uh, just the cooler air and still pretty decent for this time of year i'd say yeah, definitely take it that's for <laughs> sure all right uh for a full weather forecast where can you find that weather page krvn.com thank you The Nebraska Beef Council recently took part in the Nebraska Academy of Family Physicians Conference. And today we're learning more with Mitch Rippey. He is the Director of Nutrition and Education with the Nebraska Beef Council. Mitch, tell us a little bit about this conference and what it's all about. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, as you mentioned, I'm, I'm over here in Omaha attending the Nebraska Academy of Family Physicians annual conference, really just connect with physicians across the state and to promote those nutritional qualities of beef. You know, just for a little bit of background, the Nebraska Academy of Family Physicians has more than 1,300 members in the state, and they're just really dedicated to kind of creating and maintaining that ongoing personal patient-physician relationship focused on integrated care. So that's where I think we, as the Nebraska Beef Council, uh, have some really great opportunities to work with these physicians. So perhaps, and maybe not surprising, but uh, when you look at the groups and organizations that are representative here, it's all pharmaceutical companies and, and those that are kind of providing a service like, you know, say medical staffing. So that's where, again, I think we're uniquely positioned to really work with these physicians under that integrated care model to, you know, just essentially promote and improve health prior to the need of those 
pharmaceutical interventions. So, you know, whether they're looking to lower cholesterol, lose, maintain uh, healthy weight, or just improve those diabetes outcomes, we're actually utilizing beef then as that first step approach to improve overall health and, and, and really just rooting those messages in a lot of sound research studies. So, Midge, what are you hearing back from these physicians? It sounds like it's a really integrated conversation that you guys are having. Yeah, you know, and I, I will say, um, one, I think a lot of physicians are surprised to see the Nebraska Beef Council commodity uh, group there as kind of that first step, that first application healthcare. Um, but they also are very supportive. You know, uh, Nebraska is a beef state. We, we see time and time again that 83% of Nebraskans eat beef at least uh, weekly, right? So this is a way by being present, we can provide them with, again, that, that nutrition research that shows how beef benefits the diet. Um, and then hopefully then they can take these resources back to their clinics to um, help those patients meet the dietary recommendations or uh, those, those basically just the health recommendations that they're providing uh, for better adherence. Absolutely. All that happening at the Nebraska Academy of Family Physicians Conference. And that also gears us up for our next topic of beef for the classroom. Can you tell us a little bit more about beef for the classroom, Mitch? Yeah, so actually hoping this might serve as a public service announcement as well. So um, I urge any producers to also pass the word on to their schools. But uh, as we approach the last six, eight weeks of school year, I want to encourage some schools to utilize our Beef for the Classroom program. And Beef for the Classroom is, is a grant that's open to all, meaning public and private, Nebraska family and consumer science teachers uh, who really just wish to incorporate fresh beef products in their classroom for the purpose of culinary or nutrition education. So teachers can simply purchase fresh beef products for use in their family consumer science classrooms, then submit their receipts in an application form from our website, which is nebeef.org, and then we'll provide grants back back to the classroom. Um, You know, and I'd have to say this program is just really focused on that skill development. So whether that's basic skills for these students like browning ground beef or, you know, more culinary applications like reverse sear, this program is just really a way, a way that we can try to couple those skills with some classroom education and, and just help them create better experiences uh, with beef and, and be continual uh, beef consumers. All right. Great information, Mitch. Thanks so much. That again is Mitch Rippey joining us. He's the Director of Nutrition and Education with the Nebraska Beef Council. And if you want more information on that conference or the Beef for the Classroom program, just go to nebeef.org. Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Time for Midday Sports. Jason Jorgensen sitting in with us here at studio. And, well, it's uh, another night of college basketball coming up as the Elite Eight begins this evening. Still weird to have this stuff trickle into Monday. You know, you get so used mm-hmm. to the Saturday, Sunday stuff. But I'm, I'm not complaining. I'm glad they've been able to have a tournament. Uh, at the end of the night, we'll know two of the teams headed to the Final Four. Baylor against Arkansas. That's the late game. The first mm-hmm. game has Houston against Oregon State, that one starts around 6.15. Trips to the Final Four also on the line in the Women's Elite Eight, which gets underway in San Antonio. And that one you have Baylor against Connecticut, and then Indiana, who's been a surprise, uh, they will take on Arizona. Go ahead. Back to the men's games, uh, Baylor's going to be tough to beat. 
They're a solid team. Arkansas, they're, they're feisty, and now they almost did lose. They, they, they had to come back and, and win that one. I think Baylor still wins that one. Houston, Oregon State, I, I like watching Houston. I, they're kind of a fun team. They shoot a lot of threes. I don't know. They're kind of fun. My thing with them is I have a problem with Kelvin Sampson. Because he was caught cheating at two different places, <laughs> at Oklahoma and Indiana. And I know it was just for phone calls, and people say, you know, everyone does it. Mm-hmm. But the guy can coach. He, he knows yes, how he to can. get it done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Uh, Houston's had a great year. They have. Uh, in the women's game, Baylor, Connecticut. That should be a, a UConn. That should be a fun uh, matchup there. You almost hate to see that them meet so early mm-hmm. in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Husker baseball team, they had a great weekend. They've now won six in a row. They completed a four-game sweep of Minnesota by winning easily yesterday 10-2. The star of the day was Grand Island Shea Shaneman. Struck out a career high 10 and allowed two runs on three hits as he pitched into the eighth inning. And he talks about what led to his great performance. Um, I felt good in the bullpen coming out. Um, you know, the first, I, but that doesn't mean anything. It's after the first or second inning, getting ahead of batters, get on top, being able to work ahead and efficiently. Um, something I haven't been able to do, but getting ahead and strike one, being able to throw the off speed in the dirt and make them chase instead of them just waiting for a strike. Huskers are now 11-4. and four. Our Old buddy Sean Callahan uh, put this out this morning. Of course, how, how much different is Nebraska than the rest of the Big Ten? Nebraska sold thousands of tickets for their baseball games with Minnesota this weekend. They were the only team in the league that sold physical tickets. And then this weekend, Husker parents have learned that Illinois will not be allowing a visiting team pass list. It's, it's one extreme to the other. In it, the what's league. the reasoning behind that? COVID. So that's, it's, it's COVID, so that's where it's at. Uh, the Big Ten Conference has also released its baseball television schedule. Nebraska mm-hmm. is scheduled to play five games on the BTN on ESPNU once, also a couple of times on NET. First game on the Big Ten Network is April 10th. Of course, we'll bring you all of the games either here on 880 KRV or Cami Country. Back to the ticket thing, just real quick. Couldn't they designate like a, a designated location for just the parents at the least? Say, hey, you get you know down this right field line or whatever it may be. I mean, there's got to be ways to work around that. I agree with you, but that, that's where they're at. So okay. Nebraska is in the minority when it comes to wanting to open everything up and sell tickets for all of the activities. Illinois also might have to worry about uh, Big Red yeah. filling up the stadium, too. Maybe that's why they uh, don't want to worry about it. I don't it. know, but Husker baseball playing pretty well. It's good to good see. Good stuff. All right. Thank you very much. Time for Midday News. Dave Schroeder has stepped in. and Dave, we're learning more about a... Uh, a ter- fatal accident that happened in Kearney this past weekend. Yes, a vehicle pedestrian accident occurred around 1040 Saturday morning near the entrance to the Kearney Cemetery. Two adult females were walking when a pickup struck them. The deceased, 59-year-old female, has been identified as Veronica Powell of Kearney. 19-year-old Eleanor Powell was also of Kearney, sustained non-life-threatening injuries. Eleanor was transported to the Kearney Hospital. Both women were walking in the area prior to being struck by the vehicle. The lone occupant and driver of the pickup has been identified as a 43-year-old Kearney man. Uh, The incident does remain under investigation, and once the investigation is complete, uh, the case will be referred to the Buffalo County Attorney's Office. 
Lexington residents turned out Saturday for a Vietnam Veteran Remembrance Parade to thank and honor Vietnam veterans and their families for their service and sacrifice. Jared Woody, the post commander for VFW Post 5136, says events like these need to be held. I absolutely think they're important to have. I mean, that the community involvement and the recognizing what people have given for previous events that have happened, I think, is a big deal. And it's really big that present generations and future generations learn about that. The parade was held Saturday instead of the actual holiday on March 29th in an effort to include more public involvement. Woody says events like those are important in atoning for the lack of respect that Vietnam veterans received. You know, especially the Vietnam veterans, when they first came home, they did not get very much recognition. I mean, that the generations current coming home from Iraq and Afghanistan, they get a lot of recognition when they first get back, and these Vietnam guys just did not get that. And that was part of the purpose of today's parade, is we wanted to give that to them. We want them to understand that we're here as a community, we're here as veterans, and we're here as veteran organizations to help them. March 29th of each year is designated as National Vietnam War Veterans Day. Omaha police have announced an arrest and the shooting deaths of two people over the weekend in northeast Omaha. 24-year-old Mabier Mabier of Omaha was taken into custody on suspicion of criminal homicide and weapons counts. He is accused in the early Saturday morning shooting deaths of a 27-year-old man and 24-year-old man. Police have said one victim was declared dead at the scene and the other transported to a hospital where he died. Omaha police have not released a possible motive or other details of the shooting. It's official. The Kansas Tourism Division will become part of the Kansas Department of Commerce starting July 1st. Kansas Governor Laura Kelly's proposed announcement last year was passed without action by the legislature, meaning the order can be implemented. Kelly said that the realignment will support the businesses and tourism industry and will play a significant role in their COVID recovery efforts. That's a check of the latest in news. I'm Dave Schroeder on the Rural Radio Network. For one local farmer, learning more about true carbon just showed they are doing something right in their farming operation. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Lucas Fricky farms with his brother in Butler County, Nebraska. He found out about Lando Lake sustainability business Truterra as it launched True Carbon. It's the first farmer-owned carbon program. They've been involved now for just about three years. They kind of talked early on about just metricizing your stewardship, what you're doing. And I guess maybe I should even digress. We're not like far out there doing new practices or Mm -hmm. new chemicals, new cropping systems, like every other farmer out there, like managing our residue, using chemistry out on our fields, using synthetic fertilizers, like, but there's a lot of benefits to really efficient environmentally sound practices that we already use. So that's where Truterra, it wasn't like, you have to adopt all these new practices. We're just gonna help figure out your stewardship, what you're already doing, and maybe give you a couple recommendations going forward. Because everybody's land is different. Yeah. What you have in a field is different than what I have in a field. Yep, and I think it just kind of goes down to, we need to realize our impact on the environment. And I, my generation is very, you know, I should say my generation on the coast is very, very interested about what we're doing. And I think it's going to be a key to doing business and staying competitive. 
um, and who are true Terras now coming in with true carbon and with other of their offerings of paying producers for their stewardship and not changing our practices. It's kind of a no-brainer in my thing, in my in my estimation. So I like being first adopter, you know. I want to try something out, and I really found it was a good fit. So, Lucas, tell me a little bit about the program and how it works with your operation. So True Terra is an insights engine. Um, it's owned um, originally by Land Lakes. They created it, and now it's its own spinoff business. Um, and really, it kind of helps model down for the future of what it is, um, meaning that they're looking at like nitrogen use, um, sheet and rill erosion, wind erosion, soil quality trends, and net greenhouse gas emissions. So it kind of gives you a holistic picture of these different data points of what the acre is um, and what you're doing um, with your farming practices to impact the environment. Um, and then in turn, it helps maybe give some suggestions of things that you can maybe do a little bit better um, or where you're currently at. At least gives you a benchmark to know where you can go and where you're at. So how have you seen, you've been in this program now for three years, how have you seen your view on sustainability? Has it changed? Is, are you still doing things or you've kind of tweaked things? Well, I mean, like we've gotten really good um, recommendations on like, making sure we're getting the best bang out of our buck when it comes to like fertilizer use and stuff like that. But I think the thing that I really found was how important livestock was in our operation. Like I knew, you know, manure pays, but like the amount when it comes into an environmental sense of how much better we're off environmentally when it comes to like greenhouse gas emission by using our already produced manure, like it was really kind of interesting to understand that. And then also, like the amount of trips across the field is something that, you know, you, you got to go spray, you got to go spray, you got to go till, you got to go till, but being a little bit more impactful about those passes, I mean, I don't think that's changed up what we have to get done, but it's now put like a metric onto what we're doing and understanding that impact. That it okay, you raise livestock, uh -huh. and you were telling me the biggest surprise so far has been how beneficial manure is. Mm-hmm in utilizing so do you think that might be for other producers an eye-opener to say okay maybe i need to be talking to my friends that raise cattle hogs sheep poultry that this manure would be good for my fields yeah i think that definitely help out i think it brings forth the value of what we're doing i think for once like producers need to be patted on the back and i know that sounds like a very like easy cliche statement but I don't think we've ever known what our impact has been outside of the product that we produce. Like, I mean, now everyone in the climate conversation, whether it be the new administration or other industries are looking to farmers to say, we need help figuring this out. <laughs> like, we can't do it without you. So now all of a sudden for the people that, oh, it's just the flyover states, we're going to have to lead the conversation and lead the charge of being like, hey, we're sequestering carbon. Like the administration is very focused on getting more carbon into the soil and helping with overall CO2 output. Now agriculture is going to be able to reap those benefits because not just our grains going to market, now we're going to be able to sell our carbon credits, you know, even down the line, probably looking at water quality and different things like that too in the future. I mean, the... There's a lot of opportunity now for producers to monetize off of the good job they've always been doing.
That is just a smidge of the conversation that I had with Lucas Fricky. He's a producer and farmer in Butler County who's been working with through their business, Truterra, as the True Carbon is a first farmer-owned carbon program. If you'd like to find out more about True Carbon and what it might mean to your operation, you can find out more through Lando Lakes. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton inviting you to take a productive visit to KRVN Cattlemen. 100% beef oriented, KRVN Cattlemen brings you expertise from across the plains in audio and video spotlights featuring industry innovators. Handy Nebraska, Kansas, and cattle resources including the inventory, cattle on feed, and slaughter numbers you need. Plus hay reports for five states. You'll find a complete directory of upcoming auctions and private treaty sales. Click on the link for KRVN Cattlemen on the right front column of the homepage at krvn.com. Time for the Midday Business Report. Bob Rogan U.S. U.S. stocks are slipping in afternoon trading as losses for big banks pull the S&P 500 off its record highs set last week. The S&P 500 was six-tenths percent lower. Financial stocks were big weights amid worries about how much pain big banks will take following soured trades made by a major U.S. hedge fund. Hedge fund. Stocks of energy producers were also weak after the price of oil slipped. Treasury yields rose slightly while a widely followed measure of nervousness in the stock market was climbing but remained close to its lowest level in a year. Salvage teams have finally freed a giant container ship that had been stuck sideways in the Suez Canal for nearly a week. The work ends a crisis that clogged one of the world's most vital waterways. A flotilla of tugboats pulled the bow of the skyscraper size ever given from the sandy bank with the aid of the tides. As the ship sailed, the tugboats blurred their horns in jubilation. Johnson & Johnson says it's agreed to provide up to 400 million doses of its one-dose COVID-19 vaccine to African countries starting this summer. The drug maker said its agreement with the African Vaccine Acquisition Trust, the company will provide up to 220 million vaccine doses for the African Union's 55 member countries with delivery beginning in the July to September quarter. Meanwhile, nearly 6,000 Amazon workers in Alabama are deciding whether they want to form a union, the biggest union push in the online shopping giant's history. The stakes are high. The organizing in uh, Bessemer uh, in Alabama could set off a chain reaction across Amazon's operations nationwide with more workers rising up and demanding better working conditions. And that's a check of the business news. Coronavirus crisis. Sandy Rivers needs help so that she can help people like her parents. But this cafe in downtown Newark is her solution. Deaf's Delight is the first of its kind for New Jersey's 850,000 deaf residents. But it's a place Rivers is struggling to pay for, not because business has been bad, but because she's been paying rent on the space since 2019. And because of COVID, she couldn't open until this January. So for all of last year, it wasn't considered an official business. And because of that, 
She couldn't apply for any small business loans. You know, I definitely don't want to lose something I just started. She's set up a GoFundMe page in the hopes of keeping it open and maybe soon adding outdoor tables to increase capacity. Chris Welch, Fox News. Coronavirus crisis. Fox on Tech. High-speed internet has become a must during the COVID-19 pandemic, with millions of Americans still working from home, kids learning remotely, and movies being streamed to our living rooms. But the need has exposed the digital divide in our country. Last count, the FCC says nearly 5% of Americans lack access to high-speed internet. Service provider Comcast is hoping to help, saying they'll invest $1 billion over 10 years to help close the divide. The money will go into its Internet Essentials program, now 10 years in, which helps connect low-income Americans. Part of the new surge of money will go towards public Wi-Fi connections called Lift Zones, which provide high-speed wireless to adults and children who are homeless. Those centers stayed open in many big cities when libraries were closed because of COVID-19. The Internet Essentials was started in 2011 as a condition to Comcast acquiring NBC Universal. The $10 a month service was open to all low-income households in 2019. With Fox on Tech, Brett Larson, Fox News. Even with a virtual platform, the discussion of emerging issues in the biofuels industry was shared with Nebraskans. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. One of the speakers at Friday's Nebraska Ethanol Board's virtual event was Emily Score. She is CEO of Growth Energy. Well, I think importantly, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, and it's really exciting to see a few things taking place. First of all, more consumers are getting vaccinated. The economy is opening up. That means people are driving. So fuel demand is going to pick up. And therefore, that's going to help with with the biofuel ethanol recovery. Uh, there is so much conversation right now around climate. Every conversation in Washington, D.C. has an overlay of climate. And the good news for our industry and for consumers is ethanol, we, um, we are a ready tool that can be used for greenhouse gas emissions. Corn ethanol is a 46% reduction in emissions rate. And using basic off-the-shelf technologies, we can get 70% reduction. So we don't have to wait for electric vehicles. We don't have to wait for something new to be invented and embraced and then the infrastructure to be built out. If you use a fuel that is E15, it's known to consumers in unleaded 88. It's available in Nebraska. You are going to, the more ethanol you use, the more greenhouse gas reduction you're going to have. You're going to save five to 10 cents per gallon, and you're doing something that's great for the car engine as well. So exciting momentum behind the climate conversation and the marketplace responding as more and more consumers are getting access to E15 as a fuel choice. You know, I think people sometimes, Emily, they hear of climate change and they get um, get nervous when they think that there might be something happening in Washington that's not going to bode well with them. But for those in agriculture, when it comes to biofuels, how are things being perceived coming out of the Biden administration, Biden administration in advancing this biofuels industry? Well, I think some of the early smoke signals are certainly encouraging. Uh, what we, Mr. Biden, President Biden campaigned, and he was on the record supporting biofuels, supporting the renewable fuel standard, admonishing the Trump administration's handout of, of oil blending exemptions. So those are all good things. Um, Secretary Vilsack at USDA is a tremendous champion of biofuels. Uh, there's a lot of regulatory actions pending before EPA. And so we're, some of the early commentary and public 
public commentary is encouraging. Now we've got to get in there and make sure that the details are, are in a good place. I'm cautiously optimistic as, as others are in the industry in terms of what things mean for the administration, but it's really important that we have a seat at the table in any climate conversation. There's a real cultural captivation around electric vehicles and that's taking place with this administration as well so we have to make sure that they understand the value of the modern ethanol industry that we are a tool that you can use today that if you have a goal of a zero emission future you cannot get there with electric vehicles alone you need biofuels and you need agriculture and embrace agriculture as part of the solution we are part of the solution let us work with you constructively. And that's really the tone of the conversation that we need to have with lawmakers. And we re- recently have seen the excitement continue to build around E15. Kansas City comes to mind, for example. It absolutely does. We just, um, just a week or two ago, we hit a milestone. The consumers had driven 20 billion miles on E15. And there is not one complaint. There is not one concern. Consumers, when they have the ability to use this fuel, they understand that it's a great value for their car and for their family and their pocketbook. Part of my conversation with Emily Score. She is CEO of Growth Energy and spoke on Friday at the Nebraska Ethanol Board's Virtual Emerging Issues Forum. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. on the Rural Radio Network. Let's check in with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter this week in grain for a check of the closing grain markets. And John, when we see across here, most of it in the red, but Chicago Wheat and Kansas City Wheat make a pretty strong comeback here at the end. What happened here in these final minutes of trading to help rally? Well, I think you're just you're covering positions here going to be in the quarter. Big report on Friday. Obviously, the wheat market's kind of led this thing down. Uh, sick of the Chicago, if you want to take a wild card bet, Chicago would be a great one. You know, that's where the stocks could be tight when you break it out by category. KP wheat, I'd imagine you're going to see acreage increases. you probably see them in Chicago as well, but that May contract that might not matter. So wheat discounted itself quite a bit. Corn, certainly, um, I think it's done well to hang in, but it's, it's questionable how much it's going to rally with, you know, KC wheat trading it. Oh, where are we at? They're on that front month contract in the 40s. Um, I'm sorry, 568 front month KC wheat, and we're at 545 Chicago, or I'm sorry, 545 corn. So there's only 25-cent spread there. You're getting wheat eaten in a profit margin, and I think that's limiting the ability for corn to gain. Tomorrow's report will obviously change that. I think early estimates for the trade would be, or not tomorrow, sorry, Wednesday's report, um, early estimates would be for more corn acres. So, And then I think a little bit of a bearish view on old crop bean stocks, but I don't know. I think it's all it's all flipping coins at this point. When we're talking about the report on Wednesday, are we doing any technical damage to the charts right now, or is this possibly a fade play where we faded into Wednesday to be able to buy it back? I think I'd probably wait till after the number. If it's a bearish number, specifically look at kind of the September contract as, as something to target. 478 front month or September corn right now. Uh, in the case of beans, I think July is probably as far out as you want to go. Be- you can go really any of the bean contracts. Um, but in, in corn, I think that September, uh, it's, it's just an interesting play given that, you know, we're going to be a little bit late to start for a lot of the belt, um, southern belt especially, that just too much moisture. So they're not flooding out by any means, but I do think there's some issues here along the High River Valley that could pop up. Uh, to keep some folks out, and that may put some pressure on September corn after the report. You could, that would go to 450. I gotta think that's value here compared to where the prices are. So, you know, 30 cents down would be a pretty pretty difficult break in my opinion. One that would be certainly swallowed up by the by the end users, especially given that you know 
these acres came in at 97 million acres for corn last year, and we ended up planting 91 and some change. So it doesn't have to, to, to work out the way they think it will. In fact, it's a lot of times very different. That is John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. If you would like to talk to John more about impl- implementing a risk management strategy on your farm or ranch, why don't you check out DanielsAgMarketing.com. Do remember, though, train future and option involved risk of loss may not be suitable for all investors. Thank you very much, Clay. That'll wrap up this Monday edition of Midday. If you missed anything, want to go back to hear any of the segments, you can listen to our Midday podcast sponsored by Divinity Motors at krvn.com.